Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Fluently Forward. Today, we are going to be covering the TV show Parks and Rec, and we're going to be doing, you know, you already know what the formula is, but if anyone's new here, we're going to be covering a little bit of information about the show, then we're going to go through each of the actors and actresses on the show, do a little bit of a background on them, cover some of their bloomed items. I don't know why I always mispronounce it. Their bloomed loons, their blind items. And yeah, we're going to be getting into some of the gossip, some of the scandals, and some of the the realsies, because sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. Uh, of course, we do now have a Patreon, patreon.com slash fluentlyforward. Over on Patreon this week, we put out an episode on Friday talking about Aziz Ansari, and we're kind of going through everything to do with Aziz, his obsession with Jennifer Lawrence, his, you know, sexual assault allegations and the Babe article that happened, I think in 2018 it was, and what he said about that and everything. So if you want to check that episode out, patreon.com slash fluentlyforward. So without further ado, let's just kick things off because I love, love, loved Parks and Rec so much. It was one of those shows where I think, you know, there's so many shows like this out there where the first season is like, okay, like it's like a first season. I kind of think of New Girl in the same sense where I'm like, I don't know if I'd really recommend season one to anyone, but season two through the end, it's like, oh my God, what a gem, what a crown jewel of a show. I don't know. Sometimes there must be some sort. I'd love to one day talk to a person who writes for TV because there must be some magic formula where, you know, season one tells you what to do and how to improve the characters to make the other seasons so much better. I think the only like sitcom comedy that kind of knocked it out of the park right away. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Modern Family. Their pilot episode was such a perfect pilot episode and they didn't really change up the characters like too much whereas with Parks and Rec with New Girl things like that you you kind of have a lot of character development and changes going on so Parks and Rec it was a mockumentary style type of tv show very similar to The Office we're going to get into that and it aired on NBC from April 2009 to February 2015 there were 125 episodes over seven seasons and then they did some sort of you know how everybody like during COVID was like every single person and TV show during COVID just kind of jumped the shark a little bit so they did like a zoom type of COVID episode when we were all in lockdown which by the way I say it's jumping the shark but Amy Poehler could have been like I'm going live to clip my toenails and depending on what month it was in 2020 I would have been like awesome I'll be there I have like nothing else going on and I would love to watch it So the concept for the show is, um, you know, it's a little bit like small politics, local government, and it follows basically a parks and rec department. If you don't know, rec means recreation. So I bring that up because I think that some of the best TV shows or the funniest ones have the lamest concepts. And I always think about this too. I don't know if you know this, but um, I'll kind of get into it later in the episode when we talk about Amy Poehler. But I have been doing improv comedy for years. I started in college. I used to teach improv comedy. I actually thought I was going to be doing comedy when I graduated college. And my biggest takeaway was always that the best comedy is found in the most simple scenes. Like sometimes if you have someone who's new to improv, they'll walk onto a scene and they'll be like, oh, hi, I'm your pregnant father and I love eating jelly beans. And it's like, you're giving too much. You're giving too much. Just come onto the scene and be like, I'm a teacher. And the more simple and boring you make it, it's actually easier to have comedy come out of that, right? Because what's funnier? A pregnant father with a jelly bean addiction, you know, his love life or the love life of an accountant, you know, like you actually have more to work with with the accountant. And I think that's also, you know, the same with TV shows. So I just always thought Parks and Rec, so funny, boring concept. The Office, right? Aren't they like a paper? They sell paper company in Scranton or whatever. Nobody would ever want to live that life, but it makes for such a great comedy backdrop. So that's what I've always thought. And then I was like, oh, how interesting that there was, I had a little bit of premonition on me thinking that because 
This guy named Ben Silverman, he was um, the co-chairman of NBC's entertainment division in 2007. And after The Office got so big and really just like took the world by storm, I mean, take a spin on any dating app nowadays and everybody's like, "Uh, the office, the office. So after The Office got really big, the folks over at NBC were like, we should do a spinoff of this. So Parks and Rec originally was made because they wanted to do a spinoff of The Office. So they worked on that for a few months. They had new ideas. And eventually they were like, you know what? We just we can't do a spinoff, but let's do something that's a standalone, but a little bit similar to The Office. So they started thinking about this series of a local government official who was trying to rebuild their political career after they had this humiliating public spectacle. And that was the first idea for Parks and Rec. Obviously, it got modified to be what Parks and Rec is today, but it's interesting that that original idea they had ended up, if you've seen all of the show, as being the backstory for Ben Wyatt. Now, the show did have a lot, so many cameos throughout the years, and they actually had a lot of real-life politicians cameo in different episodes. So they had John McCain, Joe Biden, and Michelle Obama. And I don't know how many people know this, but I actually met Michelle Obama when I spoke at the White House in 2017. That is a long story for another time. Um, I think one day we're going to have to do an episode on Obama, Barack Obama blind items and Donald Trump blind items. I've just been putting it off because honestly, I don't want a bunch of one-star reviews flooding in because you just know that you're going to get it from either side when you do that. Um, But, you know, one day we will do a political episode and I'll talk about meeting Michelle Obama and I did touch her arms and she was just like, she was so full of grace when I met her, just like, like made to be a first lady. And granted, I haven't met any other first ladies, although I do think it's kind of iconic that Melania Trump was caught on wire saying, wasn't she like, fuck the Christmas decorations. I don't want to do it. Definitely different vibe um, than when I met Michelle Obama. So, okay, back to Parks and Rec. Before they chose the title Parks and Rec, they were going to do the title Public Service. But then the network officials were like, oh, that's kind of like mocking. We don't really want to do that. I just mention it because I love I'm obsessed with finding out second choice runner up names like I'm dying to know the runner up name for Apple, the runner up name for Microsoft, the runner up name, even my name. I think I could have been named Hannah. Like I love finding out everybody's second choice names. So something else they did to prepare for Parks and Rec was they researched a lot of local politics in California for the show. For months, they were looking at different case studies, talking to people who worked in local politics. And in the first season, they have this storyline where there's basically a construction pit on this, you know, residential lot, and they're trying to turn it into a park. And this was a huge storyline for the first season. All of the characters came together to work on you know, the pit. I think there must have been some song, right? Like, when I fell in the pit, and that was like an Andy Dwyer thing. Pit, I wasn't in the pit. You were in the pit. We all were in the pit. pit. And when they were, the writers were envisioning the storyline, they're like, okay, so... You know, this project of filling in the pit, it's going to take a couple months, maybe even longer than a few several months to do. So they reached out to some of these local California politicians and they were like, hey, you know, this storyline that it's going to take a few months to fill this pit in, you know, is that like realistic? Is that feasible? And (laughs) urban planners in Claremont, California said, oh, yeah, no, it's definitely possible because we just recently broke ground on a park that had been going through different planning stages for 18 years. 18 years to build a park. Which, like, let me just say, when it is whatever the hell tax day is, like April 14th or something, the end of April, I walk around my neighborhood and I'm like, why is that trash can overflowing? Why is there a pothole there? Why? What's going on with the park? Why isn't this being fixed? It's just like, it's... 
I would love to hear from um, listeners in other countries too. It is just insane to me when I look at how much I give in taxes and how many, you know, how much other people give, how much <clears throat> we just did Elon Musk last week. I'm like, how much people should be given. And it's just um, insane to me. I mean, granted, I'm not like an ep- economics major, but I do find it wild that like my paycheck is taxed pretty, pretty heavily. And then with my already taxed money, I'll go pay for, you know, clothes or food. And then that's taxed. And then the amount that I paid and then had tax on top of it, that amount that the person receives from me, then they give half of that to taxes. I don't know. One day I'm going to have to like smoke a little bit and try to figure it out because as of this current moment, doesn't make sense to me. I feel like there should be no potholes. And don't tell me the truth. I know a lot of it goes to, I think, like Medicare and the military. I don't know. I'm not actually interested in finding out. (laughs) I'll just keep paying taxes and complaining like most everyone else in this country. All right, some other stuff about Parks and Rec. Um, One of the writers said this when they were talking about the concept for the show. They said, quote, I've never liked mean-spirited comedy. The characters on our show make fun of each other, but not in a biting, angry way. Also, there's no shortage of conflict in the world of government. And I love that, and I wholeheartedly agree. I agree so deeply. That's why I loved Modern Family. That's why I hate Devil's Advocates. You know what I mean? It's like there's already enough to fight about in the world. You know, if I say that it's hot out, you don't have to say, well, it could be hotter. You know, like, let's just be on the same team. Let's just rejoice in the similarities and what we share. So I prefer and I love that type of comedy. And I think that's why I've never been super into It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Like, if I'm on a plane, I'll watch one episode, but oh my God, they all hate each other. They're so mean to each other. You got to balance it out with a little modern family or new girl or something. So similar to The Office, it was filmed with a single camera setup, and it's that mockumentary style. So sometimes you have people doing interviews, sometimes you just have one camera panning across the room, catching people at quick moments, and there was no studio audience or a laugh track. And let me know, are you super into laugh tracks? I have heard or seen, I guess, a lot of people online being like, "I it's nails on a chalkboard. I hate a laugh track. My favorite shows, you know, Parks and Rec, 30 Rock, they don't have it, and I don't feel like it's needed. Um, But, you know, How I Met Your Mother, we did that over on Patreon. Friends, I know that it is on a lot of sitcoms. I don't really notice it. Let me know what you think. All right, and now we are off to the races, and we are going to begin with talking about Amy Poehler. So before I get into a little bit of info on her, I have a little bit of real world info on her from my own experiences. So when I was in college, I took a semester off college. It was kind of like my semester abroad, but it was in Chicago. And I went to the Second City for a semester and I got into their comedy studies program. And for a semester, I basically trained in comedy at the Second City. So our classes, you know, we had daily classes, just like regular school, but our classes were on improv and stand up and writing comedy and the history of comedy. And we even had one really cool class. This one was my favorite. It was called physical comedy. And that's where you learned how to like fake slap somebody on stage, but you don't actually slap them, but it looks like they're slapping or how to fake fall on stage without hurting yourself or how to do some accents. Um, So accents, I always love doing the New Zealand accent, especially when if you guys subscribe to NT on Patreon, he does a New Zealand radio show and they're always like, over from Hollywood, we've got Enti. Enti's on the podcast. So it was just a really fun winter in Chicago. And yeah, we were basically taught by all of the greats for those months. And I remember my uh, writing teacher, Anne, she worked with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler and she would tell us how Because, you know, Second City, if you don't know, it's kind of like the mecca of comedy. Like Steve Carell, everyone from SNL, everybody's gone through Second City. That's kind of where you go to get a comedy background. Some people go to UCB, Upright Citizens Brigade in New York, but most people it's Second City in Chicago. And I remember my writing teacher saying that Second City is where Tina Fey and Amy Poehler became fast friends. And they were such a dynamic duo because Tina Fey was this incredible writer. She was able to write and craft these stories and create these quippy 
one-liners and storylines that always fed back to each other. And that Amy Poehler was the incredible improviser, which makes sense because she ended up co-founding the Upright Citizens Brigade over in um, New York City in the early 1990s. But my teacher just said that Amy Poehler was so fast on her feet and just incredibly smart and just even a great actress, just wicked quick and fast thinking. And she said it was interesting that Tina Fey didn't even really like doing improv comedy that much, but it was Amy Poehler's favorite thing to do. So yeah, that's a little bit about Amy. Um, So yeah, early 1990s, she co-founded the Upright Citizens Brigade in New York. And then in 2001, she joined SNL. And her and Tina Fey were co-anchors of The Weekend Update. And then she left in 2008 to star as Leslie Nope in Parks and Rec. Also, another fantastic role that she did was Regina George's mom. How could we forget her fantastic role in Mean Girls? I mean, honestly, I feel like she just... She stole the show, and how good of a movie is Mean Girls that, what has it been, like 20 years since it was on? And it's still, to me, a perfect movie. I might watch it tonight. I thought this was really cute when I was looking up stuff about Amy Poehler. It says that she credits her father with encouraging her to break social protocols and take risks. Highly relatable. I think my dad does that too. Also, this just kind of goes to show what my teacher said about Amy Poehler being so wickedly the wickedly talented Adele Dazeem anyway her being so wickedly talented is that she was promoted in SNL from a featured player to a full cast member just in her first season on the show and that was making that made her the second cast member and the first woman to ever do that more about Amy Poehler and Tina Fey they co-hosted the Golden Globe Awards (laughs) They've done some really good co-hosting together. Um, Taylor Swift wouldn't think so. That was exactly the whole debacle when um, they made a joke about Taylor Swift dating and then Taylor Swift gave a quote saying that there was a special place in hell for women who don't support other women. Which I'm pretty sure, you know, Taylor Swift would now regret saying that quote. God knows people have clowned on her enough for it. But part of me almost wishes that she just memefied it. And then anytime something bad happened, she would be like, there's a special place in hell for Harvey Weinstein. There's a special place in hell for Jeffrey Epstein. There's a special place in hell for, you know, I don't know, Vladimir Putin or things like that. And if she just like kept it going with each thing that happened, um, you know, I don't think she would ever do that, but I would certainly be tickled by it. Amy Poehler married Will Arnett, the Canadian actor, comedian. He's been on everything, but I think I would assume most people know him from Arrested Development and also BoJack Horseman. So they were married in 2003. They met in 1996, um, and they started dating four years later. And then they were separated in 2012, and they filed for divorce in 2014. So I don't know what happened in those two years, but I do know that in between, from 2013 to 2015, she dated Nick Kroll, who I think a lot of people who are, like, young on TikTok— are just now realizing who Nick Kroll is. I saw some people on TikTok being like, Nick Kroll, because he's in the upcoming movie, Don't Worry Darling. They were like, he is the only good one of this entire cast. There's like a clip of him fixing Florence Pugh's dress and people are like, Nick is such a sweet guy. He's such a safe space for Florence. And, you know, one day we'll do Nick Kroll blind items, but I just have to say, I really hope those are young idiots on TikTok saying that because um he is a male comedian that like that's all I'm gonna say if you have to pick someone to be a hero and like a saint and someone who's like a safe space for someone let's just say I wouldn't want to be alone in a room with a male comedian especially a male comedian who's been in Hollywood for like 20 plus years so that's all I'm gonna say Amy Poehler has two sons um with Will Arnett Archie and Abel kind of like that Archie Archie Arnett and Abel Arnett a little AAA triple A and she lives with her kids in LA something a little just like a minor scandal situation in 2016 she got a letter from the city of Beverly Hills for excessive water usage during the state of California's drought that year so she (laughs) her property was using 3,000 gallons per day 
And it's just one of those things where the disconnect between celebrities and everything is really real, but something about the disconnect between celebrities and the environment, especially lately, is staggeringly, staggeringly large. 3,000 gallons per day, and I think a lot of it was like sprinklers and things like that. That's just stupid to me. That's like a stupid, insane amount of water to use, but like, like that's really the only, you know, scandal, at least on Wikipedia, that we have for Amy Poehler, but I mean, let's turn to the blind items and see what's going on over there. All right, we're gonna first start off with some blinds about Amy Poehler and Will Arnett. This first one says, let me get this straight. This foreign-born A-list actor slash host, Will Arnett, is making it seem as if he was the victim in his divorce when it was he who was hooking up with random women and an A-list co-star at the time. And allegedly that's Christina Applegate. And there's an article associated with that, and the headline of the article says, Will Arnett says he, quote, cried for an hour on the side of the road after split from Amy Poehler. Um, yeah, like if, if you have ever cheated on a partner and then uh, like after the relationship ends, you're like, <laughs> it's like, I'm so sad. No sympathy, literally no sympathy. All right, we have another blind about her and Will saying, this A-list, mostly TV actress says her soon-to-be almost A-list, mostly TV actor husband, Will Arnett, has been spending money like crazy trying to keep his new celebrity girlfriend happy and has spent more on her in three months than he did during the entire marriage to the actress. Just, I absolutely believe it. And it's just like so freaking sad. Another blind about them that says, speaking of Coke, this foreign born A minus list, mostly TV actor who does a lot of almost television Will Arnett, has never met a line of coke or an 18-year-old he didn't want. He is such a different guy than he used to be when he was married. All right, this is another crazy one about Will Arnett, and this is a long one, so let's get ready for it. Whenever I think about giving this former A-list, mostly TV actor from a hit network show a second chance, I remind myself of this story. This happened a while ago, but he has never changed. He has always put sex before anything else. I remember in his first marriage, his wife would literally lock the bedroom door and put the key under her pillow, or he would sneak out and go have sex with someone. Anyway, fast forward out of that marriage and into another. Kids this time. This is the marriage with Amy Poehler. Shortly after he had his first kid, our actor was doing some kind of made-for-TV movie. This is when it was doubtful whether he could resurrect his career. On the way to the set where they were filming, our actor had to drive past a community college. Driving past one morning, he sees the student and slows down in his very expensive car and says hi. When she says hi in return, he stops the car and starts chatting to her through the window. Apparently, he told her he was filming a movie and asked if she would like to come see it. Now, remember, his infant is in the back seat. The student gets in the car and the flirting gets more intense. It gets so intense that as soon as the car is parked at the set, the actor and this student head to his trailer and they have sex. About 15 to 20 minutes go by and... <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not funny, but it's just crazy. It's like something one of my Sims would do. Um, about 15 to 20 minutes go by and someone hears his baby screaming in the car. The car is locked, so they go to the actor's trailer and tell him what's going on. Our actor has not opened the door. He tells them to let the baby cry it out. When they refuse, our actor starts screaming at them through the door before finally opening the door and throwing the keys at them. He then tells them to leave him alone for the next hour. About two hours later, he emerges from the trailer with the student and tells someone to give her a ride back to her school. He then goes to the craft service table and next to the table is his kid being rocked by some production assistant. The actor looks at the assistant and tells her to keep watching the kid for a couple of hours because he needs a nap. He then takes an apple and goes back to his trailer. You gotta love how detailed this is. I'm like, was it a Granny Smith? Was it a Gala? What's going on? Okay. About 45 minutes after, he goes to his trailer, he comes flying out of it at full speed and rushes over to his kid, grabs the kid, and runs back to the trailer. Five minutes after that, our actor's wife, Amy Poehler, comes, and our actor makes a big deal of how he's been trying to shoot scenes, but he can't get anything done because of the baby, and he passes the baby back to his wife who drives away with the baby. 
We're almost done, guys. <laughs> At that point, our actor looks around until he finds the person who drove the student back to school. Our actor asks if by any chance the driver got the phone number of the student. The driver didn't get it, but the actor said not to worry about it. There were plenty more. He then went and got hair and makeup and went to work. Oh, there we go. All right, now let's do some ones that are kind of about um, Amy Poehler and Nick Kroll. One says, I feel really sorry for this A-list, mostly TV actress, who I guess that now that her long-running show has ended is a B-plus list, mostly movie actress. This is after Parks and Rec ended. She was cheated on in her marriage with Will Arnett and thinks she has a great new guy, Nick Kroll, but he is just using her when it is convenient and has a string of 20-something women that he spends most of his time with. Another one about the two of them. Another controlling relationship bites the dust. They were former co-stars. She was an A-list, mostly TV actress who does mostly movies now after her show ended. She also is doing some producing of a great almost TV show. Apparently, his, Nick Kroll's, constant advising just wore her down to the point she couldn't take it any longer and the two are over. Another one about the two of them. This A-list actress is mostly movies now that her long-running network show has ended. She has always been open and forthcoming about her life and has been one of the better actress interviews. While promoting her new movie, though she has been tight-lipped and reluctant to discuss anything other than the movie. Her new boyfriend just has her completely under his control and it is scary to watch what he has done to her. So yeah, a lot of these blind items just make Nick Kroll sound very demanding and like I know better than you and like that type of situation. All right, now there were a lot of blind items about Amy Poehler uh, being on Louis C.K.'s side even after all of the sexual assault stuff went down. And yes, that was in the past, but if you have half a brain and maybe also if you are subscribed to the Celebrity Memoir Book, book Club book club girls patreon Woo, there we go you'll know that like i don't think louis ck doing sexually deviant things is in the past we also talk about this a little bit more on the patreon you know how louis ck handled this versus how aziz handled his misconduct but let's just read this blind item this former A-list actress who likes to pretend to the world that she is progressive and is huge on feminism already had issues with her support of the sexually assaulting slash serial public masturbating comedian. Now she closed down all of her productions and offices and told everyone to claim unemployment because she wasn't going to pay them. Last I checked, she was worth about 40 to 50 million. And that was related to how UCB was going through massive layoffs during the coronavirus outbreak, which, you know, makes sense. Like all those improv classes are, you know, 15 people in a room doing it all together. So you can't really do it during coronavirus. You know, it really just is a shame because I remember when Conan O'Brien, love of my life, love Conan O'Brien, when he had, you know, kind of the rug freaking pulled out from under him with Jay Leno coming back on The Tonight Show. I remember hearing that Conan O'Brien out of his own pocket paid for everyone on his show to like keep their salary going for as long as they thought it was going to happen, even though, you know, obviously things in that situation changed. And I just thought that was so great. I love Conan O'Brien. He's my favorite. All right. Some more about the situation. The vast majority of income for this disgraced comedian, Louis C.K., is coming from this A-minus list dual threat actress-writer-producer who has always given him work and also hooked up with him in the past. Amy Poehler, what are you doing? Freaking disgusting. Another one, this A-minus list actress-producer-writer, blah, 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 has been hailed as a champion for a recent interview. Um, how come no one asked why she, why she still enables that disgraced comedian and his longtime manager? And that's Louis C.K. and Dave Becky. Another one, I mean, these are kind of similar, so this will just be the last one I do. This former A-list, mostly TV actress from a very hit show, you know what it is, walked out of a one-on-one -on -one press availability yesterday when the reporter asked her about her continued support and under-the-table employment of a former A-list comedian who's now disgraced. So it's just, it's just very disappointing. Very, very, very disappointing. Especially too, especially because this wasn't one of those, and I don't think it's right in any situation, but remember when Lena Dunham, there was someone she worked with and he had allegations come out and Lena Dunham was like, well, 
I just don't think that he did it. Like, I think the allegations are false. With Louis C.K., he admitted to what he did. So it's not even like Amy Poehler could be like, oh my God, I've, I've known him for 20 years. He would never do something like that. He goddamn admitted to it. So it's like, what are you doing, girl? All right, this is a blind item, but it's not from NT. It's from B-R-A-P-P-P. Haven't even heard of that thing before. So who knows if this is correct, but allegedly it's about Amy Poehler and a nickname she has called Polar Bear. This A-list TV actress had a bad reputation on the set of her hit TV show, which resulted in a hilarious pun-related last name. Well, a source tells me that people behind the scenes constantly mocked this actress for something she does. Every now and then, she will break into a bizarre little girl voice and be ultra submissive. Mighty weird if you ask me. Now, I don't know if that's true, but I feel like it would explain the Louis C.K. stuff, so it's just like, ah, like, who the hell knows? All right, now this blind item could be about Amy Schumer and Jennifer Lawrence, or it could be about Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, so let's give it a read. It goes, bitch, bitch, bitch. That's all these two A-list friends do when they get together. Which, like, by the way, like me and my grandma when I visit her. Okay. For a pair that claim they want to empower women, they sure as hell do their part tearing industry rivals apart over dinners and meals. I suppose you don't get to the pinnacle of your profession by playing nice. And honestly, as a gossipy bitch, I like co-sign that. If you want to go out to dinner and talk shit about someone and they're not there and they won't hear it and it's not going to hurt their feelings, I think you can do that. Also, like, it's so hard to be a fucking feminist nowadays. Like, when did we have to support all women? Who came up with that? I don't like all women. I don't hate them, but I'm not just going to, like, love every single woman. I have women who have held me back in work. I have women who have said the meanest things to me in middle school. Like, it's just like this camaraderie does not exist. I, there are some places where it should exist, and I do feel way more connected to and drawn to women than men by, like, it's, it's honestly not even close. But just this idea of, like, oh, you, you claim to want to empower women, but you tear apart your industry rivals at dinners and meals— that's part of feminism, okay? You know what I mean? That's like treating men and women equally. If men are allowed to do that over dinner, then women should be allowed to do that too in the industry. So that's blind item is from The Gossip Life, which by the way, it's really fucking funny that a blind item website called The Gossip Life is like, these two A-listers just like bitch about industry rivals. It's like, that's exactly what your website does, girl. So let's like hold up the mirror a little bit and take a look into it. All right, up next is Nick Offerman, who played Ron Swanson, arguably probably the biggest breakout character of Parks and Rec. I feel like he was the fan favorite. Let me know what you think. I, I do. I'd feel confident saying that. So he was born in Illinois, um, the son of a nurse and a social studies teacher. And a lot of these people from Parks and Rec, other than Rashida Jones, we'll get into her, um, not nepotism children at all whatsoever. So he also founded a theater company in Chicago, was really into acting and theater growing up, and he ended up getting acquainted with Amy Poehler through the Chicago improv comedy scene. In 2003, he married Megan Mullally from Will and Grace. She pops up as one of the crazy Tammies in Parks and Rec. I'm like obsessed with them together. I think that they're so fantastic. They've done a live comedy tour that was kind of all about their sex life. And they also launched a podcast in 2019 called In Bed with Nick and Megan, talking about their personal lives, interviewing guests, things like that. How is he similar to Ron Swanson? So he is a professional boat builder and he has a side business as a wood craftsman. So he makes furniture, wooden canoes, boats, just like so freaking cool. Some people have wondered, is he a libertarian like his character, Ron Swanson? And he said, quote, while I admire the philosophy of the libertarian mindset, I think it's proven to be ineffectual in actual governance. So no, I'm not. I'm a free thinking American. And in the 2020 election, or I guess the primaries, he tweeted a photo of himself with an I voted sticker saying that he basically voted for Elizabeth Warren. There weren't any blind items on him, but over on Data Lounge, which is kind of just like, you know, another gossipy place, there's some rumors about them. So take these with 
Let's see, if we take blind items with a grain of salt, maybe take this with like a, a, a twist of salt, like a little sprinkle, a pinch of salt, you know? Just a good amount of salt, salt it up. All right, this is what it says. They are husband and wife in real life. They appear on a TV show together. Their off-screen life though is interesting. They each have someone on the side. They each know about the other side piece. It's not exactly an open marriage and it's not like the four of them get together or anything. It's more like a mutual understanding. We have not heard that our core couple is planning to divorce yet, so it seems like this arrangement is working out for them. And da, 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 da. <laughs> this is another thing from Data Lounge. It says, on Parks and Rec for gossip, Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman are big into drugs and smoke a lot of herb. <laughs> I don't know. I just think anyone who's in the comedy scene has dabbled in drugs and probably smokes weed, which like, it's legal most places now. What goes great with a summer vibe? How about checking accounts with no monthly fees? Like a cool breeze, Chime is a refreshing way to handle your money. There's no monthly fees, no maintenance fees. It's really how banking should be. And also when you need to access your money, you can do so fee-free at more than 60,000 in-network ATMs at many locations like most Walgreens, 7-Eleven, and CVS. Chime has no monthly fees, no vibe killing fees. You can sign up for a Chime checking account and it only takes two minutes and doesn't affect your credit score. Get started at chime.com slash fluently. That's chime.com slash fluently. Chime is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by and debit card issued by the Bancorp Bank or Stride Bank. Members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees apply, except at MoneyPass ATM in a 7-Eleven location and at any Allpoint or Visa Plus Alliance ATM. Other fees such as third-party and cash deposit fees may apply. So that was it. Not really many blind items for Nick Offerman and zero blind items for Adam Scott, but we'll just do, you know, a little bit of stuff on him. Adam Scott played Ben Wyatt on Parks and Rec. He was also in a few episodes of The Good Place as a demon named Trevor. And he was also in HBO's Big Little Lies as Ed McKenzie. He is also in the podcast game. He is the co-host and co-creator of the podcast, You Talking You Too to Me. And then they've also done like other, you know, riffs off of that where they're like, oh, we're going to talk about the band, but really it's just kind of mostly like improv, absurdist humor, things like that. All right, up next is Aubrey Plaza, who plays April in Parks and Rec. Some stuff about her. Um, this was interesting. She had a stroke when she was 20 years old that caused temporary paralysis. And a few years later, while she was on the set of Parks and Rec, she had a transient ischemic attack. And I, once again, I think we talked about that in the Don't Worry Darling Patreon episode. And we also talked about that a little bit, how that happened not this exactly, but um, Amelia Clark when filming Game of Thrones. It's just really scary how shit happens to people on set. She had a bunch of internships. She worked as an NBC page. I know that she was also an intern at Conan O'Brien's show. And in an episode of 30 Rock, she plays one of the NBC pages, which I think is really sweet and cute. So she's done improv sketch comedy at UCB since 2004. She's also done stand-up. She's also been in the Laugh Factory. She's performed at the improv. She was also in a movie. You've probably heard about this. I feel like it's you know, a, a lower kind of underground movie, but people talk about it a lot. The movie called Ingrid Goes West. And it talks about her kind of like getting obsessed with this influencer. It's a really fun movie. If you've got like nothing to do on a Sunday, put it on. It's, I really like it. She has also been in a relationship with writer and director Jeff Baina since 2011, but in May of 2021, she referred to him as my darling husband in an Instagram post, so they're now married. She also said in a 2016 interview, quote, girls are into me, that's no secret. Hey, I'm into them too. I fall in love with girls and guys. I can't help it. Love that. And there are so many clips of her and Elizabeth Olsen when they were doing press and promo for the Ingrid Goes West movie where, you know, I'll just like, I'll put some of these clips up on Instagram this week. 
they just look like the most adorable couple ever and like I can feel the sexual tension. Can you? So let's find out. You can um stay stay tuned to the Instagram this week and I'll be showing it. So let's get into some of her blind items. There were a lot of her and Justin Thoreau. This first one says MTV Awards. This former A-list mostly TV actress from a now defunct hit comedy she says that this A minus B plus list writer slash actor that all of you know, Justin Thoreau, spent three weeks chatting her up and doing everything he could to hook up with her. She finally hooked up with him, and within 30 minutes after, he had her out the door and has ghosted her since. What a piece of shit. That, by the way, that last part was me. That wasn't NT. <laughs> Another blind item about it that says... This former A-minus, B-plus list, mostly TV actress from a now-defunct, very hit network show learned very quickly that the writer-slash-actor, Justin Thoreau, will cheat in a second. She thought he wanted something serious and went by his place the next day, and he was with another woman, naked. He didn't even bother covering up. Now, this one involves Jennifer Aniston. It says, this former blah-blah-blah Aubrey Plaza, there is a group of women led by this permanent permanent A-list actress Jennifer Aniston, who wants to see Aubrey Plaza blackballed because the A-lister thinks that the A-minus-B-plus lister is a homewrecker and ruined the marriage of the A-lister. Um, it was your serial cheating husband who did that. Which is just like, no, I just, I hate, I hate, hate, hate when there's a cheating situation that happens and people always blame the girl, the other woman, for doing something like that. She she might have had no idea. Like, if your husband is perpetually cheating on you and has been doing that for years, he's probably an insane, pathologically lying narcissist who's lying to everyone. Like, what do you think? He's lying to you about cheating on you, but he's, like, perfectly honest to everyone else. It's just, like, use your brain, women. Woman? Woman. Women? I guess I'm talking to a bunch of women who potentially do that. I'm talking to Khloe Kardashian. I'm just, you know, I'm just like freaking sick of it. So I hope that blind item isn't true because, I don't know, I thought Jennifer Aniston had some good vibes. All right, this is about Aubrey Plaza and Jeff Baina, her now husband. Dear former B-plus list mostly TV actress, blah, blah, blah. That very, very attractive PR assistant type person you have running around with you? You know how your long-term significant other has been acting strange lately? Yeah, it's because he's having sex with her. I heard you were pregnant, which could make this a lot harder to take. Who knows? I don't think Aubrey Plaza has ever been pregnant. Um, but, ooh, see, I just, I don't know about you. I don't even have crushes on anyone who's a celebrity or anyone in Hollywood because I just assume that they are all cheating. I just feel like there's something in the water and the juice in Hollywood and it just makes everybody cheat on each other. Like I would never ever date a celebrity because I would just be like, look at, I study history. Like everybody cheats. There's no way. Like you're going to either sleep with a nanny or a co-star or my PR person or your makeup artist or, you know, anything like that. All right, we've got a kindness blind here, and it says, This B-plus-less, mostly movie actress who had a great supporting role on a long-running, now-defunct network comedy was at Serendipity this week and paid the bill for a group of 20 who had waited in line for two hours to get in. They were seated next to the actress almost as she was leaving and heard their story and took photos with them and then paid their bill on her way out. I love when celebrities do, like, random acts of kindness like that. All right, a not-so-kind one about her that says this former B-plus list mostly TV actress has crashed and burned in movies. Her PR people have really run with her being the breakout star of this summer, but she needs to get the pill and booze use under control because she can be an angry person when she is not balancing them right and it has turned off a lot of the press who are supposed to be writing flattering articles about her. This one is from BuzzPhoto and is from a while ago, and allegedly it's about Chris Pratt and Aubrey Plaza. It says, This C-less actor who does a little singing now and again has fallen in love with his co-star even though he is married to Anna Ferris. He has almost crossed the fuzzy line into cheating on his wife with his co-star, but is held off because he loves and respects his wife also. He has agonized over the situation and might even quit his show to avoid temptation. Let me know if you believe in that one. Okay, <laughs> All right. This was a this is a funny one. 
It says, this B-minus list mostly movie actress used to be on a long-running hit network show. It's over, and unless her latest movie is a hit, her career will be taking an even bigger step back. Anyway, she was kind of shamed at one of the many award things that she goes on because she was openly doing some coke. Someone said it was so 80s. The crowd at this particular award show is older than most. Our actress did not do it again all night, so perhaps the public shaming by people old enough to be her grandparents was the trick. And I gotta say, that would work for me. Anytime someone older, like, tells me that I shouldn't be doing something, immediately I'm like, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. Like, whatever you say, ma'am, 100%. I respect my elders <laughs> to, like, a frightening degree. All right, this is just one from The Gossip Life that ended up coming true. It said, there's a bizarre but persistent rumor about this B-list TV actress who is relatively young, once having a stroke. While we can't confirm or deny, we are told there was a very suspicious week she spent in a hospital, which her agents refused to account for. And we do know, you know, it's now on Wikipedia that she did have a stroke when she was young. But I don't know why it's written as, like, tabloid gossip. Like, there was a suspicious week she spent in a hospital. You know what I mean? Like, if these blind items saw me at home, it would be like, Shannon suspiciously went to the toilet for 15 minutes and we could hear TikTok sounds from the bathroom. It's like sometimes people are just doing bodily things, you know? And I don't, I don't know if I would quite consider it a blind item. All right, up next, we are doing Rashida Jones, who plays Ann Perkins, Ann Perkins, on Parks and Rec. So this is the, you know, nepotism child of Parks and Rec. Um, she was born in L.A. to the actress Peggy Lipton, and of course, her father is the musical legend Quincy Jones. I thought this was a really cute line about Rashida Jones in her father's autobiography. He said that he would find her at six years old. Under the covers at bedtime, reading five books at a time with a flashlight. And I used to do that all the time as a kid. I'm sure you did too. Like, just like hide and pretend that you were in bed, but really you were up late reading books. Which is like, it's just so darling. And it also reminds me of the Mindy Project because Mindy Kaling, at the end of every Mindy Project episode, they have that like logo that represents, I think, a production company. And it's a kid reading underneath their blankets in bed and it's like go to bed I don't, I don't know if anyone else remembers that so her parents divorced when she was 14 and something that happened when she was younger is she responded to remarks that were made by Tupac Shakur about her parents interracial marriage so I want to read a little bit about this Rashida was 17 years old when she wrote a letter to Tupac so in a 1993 interview with Source magazine he said <laughs> quote about Quincy Jones, all he does is stick his dick in white bitches and make fucked up kids. And Rashida Jones wrote a response to that article that the source published three months later, and she defended her father as paving the way for artists like Tupac to have a forum. And she took him to task for his, quote, ignorance and lack of respect for his people and accused him of, quote, destroying his race. But now what's interesting is that after that, you know, they patched up their differences and he went on to be friends with her and her family. And Rashida's sister was actually then started dating Tupac and was dating him at the time of his death. Other interesting things, which by the way, Rashida Jones, I'm like, after reading about her, I'm like, I would love to see a documentary about her life or anything like that. So she attended Harvard University. Good God. And in 2015, she produced the documentary Hot Girls Wanted. I think it's on Netflix. And I haven't seen it. I haven't watched it because I, one day I'll talk about this, but it was a couple years ago I, I became anti-porn. Um, kind of for the same reasons that I was vegan and for the same reasons that I buy basically everything on ThreadUp or Everlane or like you know, ethically sourced clothing. I just think if there's any industry, and I think this of porn, I think this of meat, and I think this of fast fashion, if there's any industry where you're nervous to look into it, where you're like, no, 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 like, don't tell me how it's made. Like, I don't want to know. Like, if you've got that attitude about it, you probably don't want to be consuming it, right? Like, if you're nervous to hear what's going on behind the bang bus or if you don't want to know what cage-free eggs mean and like you know how pigs are slaughtered and if you don't want to know how you're able to get you know a t-shirt at forever 21 for five dollars it's just like 
I'm not saying that you have to completely cut it out cold turkey. I would just say try to find alternatives or abstain from it. So like, you know, I'm not entirely vegan now, but I eat vegan at home. And most of the time when I go out and I try to buy thrifted things, I am obsessed with thread up. Um, and then when it comes to porn too, I'll just like, sorry, mom and dad, if you're listening, I'll just like read something erotic. They have different stories you can listen to. You might even, you could do something crazy. Oh my God. Have you ever used your imagination? That's when you know you have a problem, by the way, when you're like, no, I need to like watch something to masturbate. It's like, come on. When we were kids, it really didn't take much. I remember I would listen to, um... The song I Chico by Pitbull, because obviously, you know, I was like a teenager and there was just like women in the background of it being sexy. And I was like, OK, this is enough. <laughs> so anyway, I haven't watched Hot Girls Wanted, but it's on my list of things to do. And this was in Wikipedia, too. It said that um, Rashida Jones has gathered a negative reputation among sex workers as they see the film and series as unfairly depicting the industry and as violating performers' consent. So once again, I haven't watched it. Let me know what your take on it is. Um, from pe friends of mine I know that have watched it, they said that it was really good. Now, another interesting thing. I swear to God, this woman is, like, fascinating to me. She... Uh, sings and she did backing vocals for Maroon 5 and on their debut record Songs About Jane such a good freaking debut record she does background vocals on the song Tangled I love that song it's Secret and Not Coming Home and another thing like I swear to god each new fact I found out about her I was like what Ann Perkins like oh my god she really is a beautiful tropical fish so in November 2020 she started the Bill Gates and Rashida Jones ask big questions podcast with co-host Bill Gates another interesting thing she was engaged to um Mark Ronson uptown funk going give it to ya in February 2003 he proposed on her 27th birthday and he did a custom-made crossword puzzle spelling out, will you marry me? Um, and their relationship ended a year later. Uh, other personal things, in 2008, she had a son with her boyfriend, musician Ezra Koenig, and I think he is in Vampire Weekend, I believe. All right, let's do some b -b 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 blind items. The first one's from the Oscars. It says, this A-list actress-slash-celebrity offspring was not happy when her nominal date for the evening... John Hamm got sloppy drunk. The date is an A minus list actor, all of you know, who never seems to quite get sober. This was a kindness blind for Rashida Jones, saying, This B list actress is a celebrity offspring, but people always forget that. She is on a hit almost TV show and once. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. At her gym, she paid for year long memberships for every mother in her regular spin class. I think that's really sweet. Another kindness blind from her, I swear to God. Rashida Jones before, I was like, oh, she's like Karen in the office. She's Ann Perkins. Now I'm like, wow, what a woman. This B-list television actress on a hit network show has gone from one hit show to another. Both of them are still on the air. She also does movies, but they are not usually box office hits. Anyway, with her very nice weekly paycheck, instead of spending it on porn stars and blow... <laughs> She uses one paycheck each month to rent a furnished apartment for a year for a family that comes to her via a homeless shelter in L.A. Her contact person at the shelter finds the family and our actress moves them in so the family has a chance at a better life. She has done this so far for seven families and four of them are now paying their own rent. What a woman. What a woman. And here's another one. This B-list mostly TV actress from an entertainment family who has been on a long-running hit network show got all of her fellow cast members together and they combined to use all of their frequent flyer miles and credit card points to give five families a trip to Disney World, including airfare and hotel. The families all had returning veterans who had been injured during combat. So way to go, hats off and pants off to Rashida Jones. All right, Rob Lowe. I feel like he was also one of the more well-known folks on the show. Um, he started acting at the age of 15 on the sitcom A New Kind of Family. He was on a bunch of, um, he just had a bunch of movie roles and he was like a Hollywood star. Then his career kind of got like a second bump when he went into television. So he was in the West Wing. Um, and then obviously he plays Chris Traeger on Parks and Rec. Chris Traeger is one of my favorite 
characters. There is a clip, and you know, I'll post some of these videos to Instagram this week because I was watching all of these Parks and Rec clips. I was like, oh, for research for the podcast, but really I just kind of wanted some funnies. And there are so many clips collecting the montage of Chris Traeger and his anxiety, especially his anxiety about health when he's talking about how he's just like, so depressed and so sad and he needs therapy and then he gets into therapy and he's like my therapist Dr. Richard Nygaard who I see 15 times a week <laughs> anyway it's just very relatable to me right now and um it gives me a lot of joy so <laughs> I'm gonna be posting some of those clips anyway so he plays Chris Traeger on Parks and Rec some other interesting things he passed on the role of McDreamy in Grey's Anatomy which I think, yeah, I don't know if he could have been McDreamy. I think he's better as like this always positive, peppy, but also incredibly anxious person. But I always find that interesting too, right? Like what what could have been if other people... I think the most fascinating one for me is how Blake Lively auditioned for the role of Regina George for Mean Girls. I mean, that just would have been fascinating. He has been married to makeup artist Cheryl Burkoff since 1991. They met on a blind date in 1983 and then again on the set of his movie Bad Influence, and they have two sons. Now, there is some scandalous, scandalous stuff about Rob Lowe. This is also interesting. I don't know who he was dating, right? So Cheryl, they met on a blind date in 1983, and they got married in 1991, well, smack dab in the middle of it, we have a scandal that happened in 1988. So Rob Lowe, he was 24 at the time, and he was involved in a sex scandal over a videotape of him having sex with two women, Tara, who was 22, and her younger friend, Lena, who was 16 years old at the time. So 24, 22, and 16. The three of them met at Club Rio, a nightclub in Atlanta, and they were videotaped. Um, yeah. So the age of consent in Georgia at that time was 14 until 1995 when it was raised to 16. So, you know, in the court of legality, both were of legal age to engage in sexual activity, but the legal age to be recorded on tape having sex is 18, which by the way, just like, like what? It's just insane to me that it could be like, oh, yeah, no, you can have sex at 14, but you have to wait four years to be filmed. It's just, I don't know. I don't know about all that. So that was a scandal at the time, and it's kind of come up a few instances. I think there was a comedy roast where I was talking about, um, and when he hosted SNL, they kind of talked about it. Let me know what you think about it. I mean, obviously, 24 versus 16. I also, whenever I think of age gaps and, you know, all these different relationships with ages. God knows they're a freaking dime a dozen in Hollywood. I just think of life stages when I think of ages. And to me, a 16-year-old is what, like a freshman in high school, maybe a sophomore. And a 24-year-old has been out of college for a couple of years. So, you know, one person has a binder and they're in homeroom and then the other person is working a nine to five and, you know, driving a car back to their apartment. So, you know, that's what creeps me out specifically about it. And I think whenever you look at age gap things, it's really helpful to look at it in terms of life stages because then you're like, oh, OK, holy shit. Now I can, you know, it just takes it from numbers on a page to something a little bit more real. So he also had a reputation for drinking heavily as a teenager, um, and he just had this reputation for like a really hard partier, and it was covered a lot in the tabloids. So two years after the sex tape scandal, he decided to quit drinking, and he did this extensive alcohol rehab program, and he's been sober ever since, and he said that it's the best decision of his life. Now, you might think, ooh, is the drama done? No, ma'am. No, it's not. So in April 2008, Rob Lowe filed separate lawsuits against three former employees that he had. He accused them of breach of contract, defamation, and intentional infliction of emotional distress. So let's get into all of it. 
He accused an ex-nanny of engaging in a scheme to hurt him and his wife by spreading malicious lies. There's another former nanny that was accused of falsely claiming to have a personal and intimate relationship with Rob Lowe and expressing romantic interest in Rob Lowe. Um, she claimed that Rob Lowe sexually harassed her and that his wife was an abusive employer. And then Rob Lowe also claimed that a former chef engaged in sex on their bed when the family was out of town, that the chef stole prescription drugs from the Lowe's, uh, broke several security cameras, overcharged them for food, and allegedly made statements saying that Rob Lowe's wife was heartless, cruel, and unclean. And then a woman named Jessica Gibson, who was Rob Lowe's 24-year-old former nanny, made 12 allegations against him, including sexual harassment, and this was, you know, a, a legal battle, basically. And to me, I just think it's the same type of tune that you use when you're thinking about a narcissist, right? Like, if you meet a new coworker or there's a new friend that you become fast friends with, and every time you go out, she's like, this crazy thing happened to me. I think of, like, when I think of this, I think of every story time video that Tana Mojo's ever done, where she's like, you, the, you know, the flight attendant on Southwest Airlines pulled my hair and called me a bitch and spat in my face. And you're like, what? And then next week she's like, my coworker literally stole my work and then gave it to my boss. And you're like, oh my God, like that's awful. And then she's like, my mom locked me in the bathroom at Thanksgiving. And you're like, oh my God. And then she's like, my ex kept driving around my house and wouldn't stop calling me. And you're like, oh my huh? And then after like, you know, maybe the fifth instance of a crazy story, you're like, there's no way that, you know, you're hitting crazy story bingo every single time I see you. Like if you have a friend or a coworker or someone where every single story they tell you, everyone in their life is wrong. Every single person in their life is evil and out to get them. Take a beat and consider that they might be the problem. So I just think of that with Rob Lowe. Like, you're having lawsuits against three to four different employees and you're like, all of them are lying and saying that I sexually harassed them. What are the odds? Do you know what I mean? Because if you're a celebrity and want, your first nanny says that you sexually harassed you, I would be like, we're getting a male nanny or we're just having my mother come over and we're not, we're, this is traumatic. I never want to do it again. So for it to happen three different times and he's like, oh, what is it? I just keep hiring all of these liars. No, no, it's probably you, Roblo. All right, well, let's see if I'm right. Let's get into the blind items. This first one says, this red carpet host who is still around with her own show, Nancy O'Dell, was groped by this A-list actor who at the time was on two network shows and is still on one. He told her he would ruin her career if she told anyone. There we go. There we go. Got another one here that says, this just about permanent A-list, mostly TV actor is starring on what will be another hit show after a score of hit shows that always end up with no one really liking him is cheating on his wife with a production assistant. Oh, there we go. There's another one. Uh, this back in the day, A-list, mostly movie actor, all of you know, hovers around a minus list as a TV actor. Apparently, the ever youthful looking actor is hooked on opiates, which is why he seems to be limited to commercials right now. That, and because everyone who has ever worked with him dislikes him. That one I'm just going to waver on a little bit because um, I will say Rob Lowe has been in so many freaking TV shows and movies that I think if everyone who's ever worked with him disliked him, I don't think he would have gotten so much work throughout his career, but who knows. There was one more blind item about him being diff diff to the cult difficult and it says this former a plus list mostly movie actor turned trouble getting work turned a minus list mostly tv actor who also does a ton of commercials he does do a ton of commercials by the way i always see him on commercials is filming a new show overseas he hates it while the rest of the cast mingles with visitors to the set our actor hops into an suv he bought with his own funds and has someone drive him to his trailer 15 minutes away where he stays until he is needed for the next shot even if he only has time to be in his trailer for five minutes before heading back one day we should do an episode on like the most diva insane behavior that celebrities have done because i feel like i feel like there's something psychologically 
that just changes in celebrities' brains once they get like a little bit of fame. They're like, I don't have to do normal people things anymore. Like back when I interned at the Colbert Report on Wednesdays, I was like the intern who would do green room staffing and stuff like that. And some of the requests we got from these, you know, guests of the show who were sometimes they were scientists and professors, but sometimes they were uh, celebrities. And it would be like, you know, fruit would have to be cut in a certain stupid way or like all of the things would have to be picked out of the thing because they didn't want something in the trail mix. And it was just like all this stupid shit. It's just like celebrities are stupid. Okay, we have two blind items on Ben Schwartz. I had to include him. I love Ben Schwartz. Jean Ralphio is probably my favorite character on Parks and Rec. Me and my best friend Bridget quote him all the time. We will always say something as the worst, the worst ever huge slut. That's when he's talking about his sister. Or whenever I get my paycheck, I like to say that I am flushed with cash. Or whenever I go out dancing, I like to say that I'm going to dagger people on the dance floor. <laughs> just like a thousand. You know what? We're also going to post some Jean Ralphio clips because I just love Jean Ralphio. I think he was fantastic. And we have two lovely blind items on him. Fun, fun, fun. The first one says, Two stars from this now-defunct, long-running network show, Parks and Rec, recently revealed that they had to put cotton balls up their nose to work with a recurring character, Ben Schwartz. The recurring character had a bit of a hygiene issue. What, what? <laughs> Let's just say I was not expecting that. Another blind item says, one person who won't need another beard is this A-minus, B-plus list, mostly TV actor who just ended a run on a hit pay cable show. The actor is set to come out because he wants to get married to his boyfriend. And allegedly that's about Ben Schwartz. So yeah, I've always, because you know, I've had a little bit of a crush on Ben Schwartz because any guy who's funny, I, that's really all it takes. That's really all it takes. And funny, but not like A-list comedian doing stand-up type of funny. More of like an improv, you know, type of funny. And I think he dated someone from Jane the Virgin for a little bit, but he has not like publicly dated anyone in a while. So who knows? Um, okay, there were no blind items on Jerry, aka Gary, or Donna. I also freaking love Donna from Parks and Rec when she talks about how she went to Brazil and she did very well there and things like that. I think Don is fantastic. And um, Tom Haverford, AKA Aziz Ansari, we covered him over on the Patreon and, you know, we just did a, a intense deep dive on him. So you can go over to patreon.com slash fluently forward. Now, obviously Andy Dwyer is also on Parks and Rec, AKA Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt has just kind of also evolved into this Marvel-type character. Um, and obviously, there's just so much freaking drama around him. So I think we could do a full-on, you know, episode just about him. Or maybe it would be about him and Jennifer Lawrence. Maybe it would be Guardians of the Galaxy blind items, things like that. But that being said, I also know that Beyond the Blinds did a fantastic episode on Chris Pratt. So sometimes I know that people listen to both of our podcasts and I'm like, ah, would I put that out or would it be kind of boring because you've already listened to it from someone? So let me know what you think. If you're interested in hearing stuff about him, even though Beyond the Blinds has covered it, maybe we could do like a Guardians of the Galaxy episode and talk about stuff like that. Or we could dive into the whole Jennifer Lawrence situation of it all. We'll see. We'll see. So thank you for hanging out with me and talking some Parks and Rec. Um, and uh, yeah, once again, patreon.com slash fluently forward for some Z stuff. And in the meantime, thank you for listening. And I will see you next week for another episode of Fluently Forward. Bye, guys. Bye.